Hello, everybody. Welcome back to, I think, our sixth edition now of the Source Technology LA Cyber Team podcast. As always, join us here once a month um, on our Source Talks podcast network here on LinkedIn and other platforms where myself and other fantastic recruitment and security professionals will be breaking down challenges and future outlooks across a variety of industries uh, from a staffing perspective. Joined here today by Jimmy Benoit, um, current Senior Director at PBS. I appreciate you coming on, Jimmy. We're going to talk through a variety of things today, um, but always appreciate you coming on. Um, I guess yeah, to start thanks, us thanks off- Thanks for having me. I'm really yeah, happy wonderful. to be Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> I, I guess to start us off, if you want to give a brief kind of intro or run through of your current role within PBS and the security industry and kind of how you got started in security and, and you know how it all got started. Yeah, so I'll do the elevator pitch. Um, it all started in Las Vegas. I was born and raised in Las Vegas, one of the very few people. Uh, went to UNLV. Mm -hmm. uh, I commissioned in the Army, so I became a military officer in the Army. Did that for quite a while. I was doing IT and information assurance in the Army. Uh, I left at the rank of captain. I went and joined an MSSP, a managed security service provider, for a short bit. Um, did some small team lead stuff there. I went and did a SOC supervisor type role over at a gas company for a little bit. I did a brief stint of consulting uh, for a little while. Um, I just left an organization as senior management for uh, a global energy manufacturing company in the oil and natural gas space. And as you said, um, joined the team over at PBS as a senior director of cybersecurity. So uh, been to a handful of places, seen private sector, public sector, publicly traded, um, privately held. I I've mm -hmm. kind of seen a little bit of everything. So it's been a fun journey so far. Yeah, wonderful. I appreciate the intro. Like like you're saying, certainly a variety of, of different kinds of companies and, and probably a different type of roles you've been working. What's been maybe your focus or maybe the most enjoyable thing that, you, that you've found within the security industry so far? So I would say my focus is probably on the operations side. Um, that's really where I cut my teeth and where I had most of my experience growing teams. I'm a glutton for punishment. It seems like everywhere I go, I'm building out a new program. So I, I usually go into an organization frequently without existing people processor technology but that's immensely fun because i get to grow the whole thing out and, and it's uh it's one thing that i pride myself in that i get immense pleasure from is building teams and helping yeah. teach coach and mentor younger professionals and i've had nothing but uh, a lot of opportunities to do that and i've been very grateful in my career to tap those opportunities yeah wonderful i mean i certainly hear that kind of sentiment from a lot of other professionals so it's always good to hear um i guess obviously you starting in in the military, it seems. How did that sort of transition work as far as, you know, breaking into the private sector, breaking into <laughs> to security? What did that look like for you? That was tough. Yeah. Um, so um, the military is the military. I've been around for hundreds of years. I was in the army. Um, we say and do things that are just different, right? We have a different lexicon altogether. So one thing that I struggled with that I think a lot of people struggle with, even though they have, you know, people who will help coach you in your resume writing is, taking what you did in the army or taking in the military and converting that into what does that mean in civilian talk? Um, so I could say certain things and somebody would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I'm reading your resume. You've got eight years of experience. What the heck does that mean? Trying to communicate, you know, I, I left a, at the rank of captain, right. um, you know, had promoted briefly before departing the military. And uh, you're like, I don't know what that is. Like, did you, you ride a boat right. or you like in charge of a boat or something? I don't know. <laughs> So just right. trying to communicate all the unique military things to civilian talk, I think, is something that I struggled with. It took me a little while to learn yeah. you know, how to do that properly. And I think a lot of transitioning service members sometimes have difficulty with that also. 
Yeah, I guess what would be your advice for any of those kind of people that are transitioning, maybe on that specific aspect, you know, what, 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 what can they work on specifically? Uh, engage with other veterans, engage with folks who have been through that transition. I, there is American Corporate Partners is an organization that I spoke with when I was transitioning. There's programs, Veterati is out there. Um, there's just so many programs out there. Go to LinkedIn and mm-hmm. just look for, you know, veteran and then whatever industry you're looking for, veteran cybersecurity, and then just try to people who are active on LinkedIn, reach out to them, say, hey, I'm transitioning. You know, here's what I'm doing. You mind taking a look at my resume? Um, I love helping veterans. And I found that most veterans love helping veterans because we kind of understand the struggle and some of the challenges that go along with that transition. And I find most people are more than happy to help. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that's good advice. I guess maybe to take a step back, obviously you've been in the security industry for, for you know several years now. What are some of the more recent challenges or, or innovations that you're seeing maybe in the last couple of years and where do you see the industry as a whole going? Yeah, where it's going, man, I wish I could predict that as well as the stock market. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know trends, uh, ransomware continues to be top of mind for so many people. Um, CrowdStrike had a really good global threat report that came out, I think, last year or recently um, that was detailing, I think it was an 82% increase in ransomware-related incidents in 2021. Mm -hmm. And that's only a reflection of every single year prior to then, practically. Um, I don't think that's going away anytime soon, but it's just emerged very prevalently over the last three or so years. Um, Mm -hmm. Another thing uh, from a threat perspective is authentication. Authentication continues to plague the industry. Um, if you're not using MFA multi-factor authentication, yeah. you need to be. Um, there was the uh, Verizon data breach investigations mm-hmm. report that stated 61% of every breach involved credentials. Yeah. So we need to harden credentials. We need to harden, harden authentication. Um, I think those things that have emerged as kind of the leaders in um, threat vectors will continue to be so in the, the next few years. I right. think they'll evolve and they shape slightly. Um, beyond that, there's a lot of talk about AI and blockchain and how these different types of um, things play into the threat landscape. I don't know that I have that answer, but I'm very, very excited to see what new challenges await. Yeah, fair enough. I know you mentioned blockchain. That might be something we can bring up later, but it's certainly been an interest of mine and a lot of clients that I'm speaking with as far as them potentially breaking in to that space more from a security standpoint. So fair enough. Obviously, you having recently been in the job market as well, kind of what are, what are some of the challenges that maybe you specifically faced? And um, obviously myself working, you know, every day within the security industry on the job side um, would love to kind of break into that kind of conversation. What were some of the challenges you faced when you were looking for your new role that you, that you found at PBS? Challenges I faced. Um, so I'll talk to myself first, but then I'll take a step back and talk about younger professionals kind of breaking in or right. trying to break into the industry. Myself, I, I've been in, I think I've got 13, 14 years in at this point, um, senior management. I was looking for another senior management director type role. Uh, I went to, you know, Indeed, Monster, all those usual, submitted the, the resume and got inundated with all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, yeah. Just bot, bots out there scraping for keywords. I got practitioner, you know, auto, automated email sent to me just like crazy stuff. Um, judicial clerk for the judge at wherever. Yeah. Like, how do you, what is even going on here? Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, we think you're perfect for a, a tier one help desk intern role, two month contract. You're like, what is going on? Yeah. Obviously, it's just some bot out there scraping for stuff and sending whatever. Right. I'm not alone there. My peers um, at or a similar level to myself, they still get the same stuff. Um, so that's just plagued me. 
Mm -hmm. I would say uh, from younger professionals I speak to, um, I do a lot of, or I try to do a lot of coaching and mentoring for younger professionals. Um, they often ask me, I think, uh, certifications, you need to really work on certifications. Um, there was a really good Fortinet cybersecurity skills gap report that came out saying 81% of hiring managers are looking for certifications when hiring people. Yeah. So if you don't have a cert, you might be disqualifying yourself from every four out of five jobs, mm -hmm. which would be really difficult. Yeah. Personally, I don't think you need a cert. I think certs are good. Um, I think, you know, I've spoken to candidates who have alphabet soup, you know, every yeah. certification under the sun and they've yeah. performed not as well as some candidates who don't have any certs or, you know, they only have only have one certification. Um, but I think that's just still something that is really prevalent. People still want those certifications. So for younger professionals, mm -hmm. I highly encourage getting something on there that you can put on your resume. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's a bit of popular topic for us on the podcast as far as certifications and how important really are they? And obviously it depends. I know you brought up that statistic, 81% of hiring managers or roles are looking for that. I'd actually seen the same thing today. So I was going to bring that up myself, but <laughs> um, I guess for maybe a younger professional or even somebody that's, that's transitioning out of the military, for example, what are some of the more important, um, you know, lower scale certifications that you should focus on? I think Security Plus is great. Uh, CompTIA Security Plus is really good. Um, you can't go wrong there. I even think Network Plus is good. It's not security per se, but mm -hmm. it's a great place. Um, I would say you've got other certifications out there. I don't know. You've got the, man, I'm trying to think of something else entry level-ish. Right. You've got vendor-specific certifications. I definitely recommend going vendor neutral if you can. I yeah. think that just gives you a wider breadth of knowledge that's applicable to different technologies. Mm -hmm. But there are certifications you can get specifically for veterans, Splunk. The city yeah. vendor, they offer a certification and training to veterans. I participated in that certified in Splunk. Right. Um, but that's, you know, you're only going to get bonus points for people who use Splunk, which is a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, but generally, I would say go for the vendor neutral certifications first. There's yeah, a really good, uh, there's a really good cybersecurity roadmap out there by a guy named Paul Jeremy. And it just has. Yeah you know, hundreds of certifications in every domain and it maps it out really beautifully. I'm yeah. a visual guy. So I, yeah. I love that. Great. Maybe we could link that in the, in the podcast below then. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I would certainly agree. I think a lot of the larger scale clients that I work with and source in general work with, oftentimes hiring managers aren't looking for, um, you know, a service now expert, a Splunk expert. They're looking for those vendor neutral kind of things. So that was a good call out that I certainly caught on. Um, I know, or coming back to like your job search and kind of the, the job market in general, I know you said um, AI and, and bots as far as things are going and like looking for keywords, that kind of thing. What are some other gaps maybe that you're seeing for hiring managers? Obviously, you're in a director role. You've been a hiring manager yourself. What are some of the other things that you're seeing um, as a gap potentially within the industry, whether it's the hiring manager or it's on the talent team, HR, et cetera? I do think um, there is more demand and there is supply. Yeah. So I think as the, the threat landscape changes and threats continue to evolve, mature, and become more prevalent than they ever have been, the cybersecurity talent pool has not grown commensurate to that need. Mm -hmm. I think that there are a lot of cybersecurity professionals. I think sometimes organizations themselves, when they're looking for a security analyst entry-level role with three to five years experience, I think we also hurt ourselves when we don't recognize that a non-security person can make a really good security person. Right. If you have a system administrator with five years experience, you know they could make a very good security person with a little bit of training. 
you have um, any kind of engineer or administrator role, if they've got the hunger, the desire to do it, um, you know, bring them in, be willing to invest some additional training in them if they show that they've got the aptitude to learn it and to grow into that position. Um, but sometimes we're looking for the perfect candidate. And with the demand outweighing the supply, that's just not, there aren't that many perfect candidates out there. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think like in the early 2000s, even into the 2010s, that was often what the transition looked like for people to get into security, often just people that were working yeah. in IT. And that was kind of the natural setting. There weren't a lot of, you know, college programs that, that people were coming out with all this great experience. And now that hiring managers know that they're out there, obviously yeah. that's who they're going to be gunning for, but are maybe missing out on the people that have focused in other areas, you know, or whatever may have you. I think, yeah. or I guess I'm, I'm curious what your opinion is. Do you think it's, it's a little bit of, of both of those, or do you think there needs to be more investment at the collegiate level or, or whatever may have you out of the military, for example? What do you, what do you think? I think there's no, no shortage of training. I think right. you could you could spend every waking moment attending training these days, not even paid. You know, there's so right. much just free training out there. Go to you know hack the box or go to hack this site or Enigma Group or any of these resources out there, and you mm -hmm. can get hands experience. Go to YouTube and you can probably watch you know hundreds of hours of free, really good content on Definitely. cybersecurity. Um, the universities have so many programs. A cybersecurity degree has become such a prevalent degree. Yeah. There are boot camps, so many boot camps that are not um, necessarily through a university, but independent from a university. So I think they're just pumping out so many people. Um, but I think a lot of times hiring managers have some biases and they'll see somebody who, you know, they were doing sales or, or whatever yeah. the case, as an example. And then they pivoted into cybersecurity and say, oh, they don't have any cybersecurity. They only have sales experience that's not right. applicable but i think we overlook the value sometimes in mm -hmm. what disparate careers can actually bring to cybersecurity specifically you know problem solving and analytical skills mm -hmm. um, one of the best instructors that ever taught me was a gentleman at sans institute and he was an english major yeah and he was just so it, you know it doesn't matter what your degree is necessarily or your background or at least it shouldn't but i think hiring managers sometimes automatically disqualify a candidate if they don't see buzzword keywords or specific yep. degrees on their resume. Definitely. Definitely. And it doesn't even have to be the hiring managers. It's it's the bots and stuff that we were talking about as well, or even just yeah. non-technical recruiters that, that don't really know what to look out for. So fair enough. Um, I'm curious what you think about people either transitioning into security or are you know young and, and freshly trying to get in. Certain domains that are particularly smart, you think, to maybe dive into where, where there might be more jobs for say, you know, a lot of people want to do pen testing, for example, but other yeah. blue team stuff, instant yeah. response. What are some of the specific domains you think people should focus on or should people try to be as general generalist as possible? Yeah, everybody wants to be a pen tester. It's yeah. fun. I've, I've done it. Yeah. It's, it's a blast. Um, uh, professionally, it's a lot of writing. Just understand if you don't like mm -hmm. writing, you're not going to like being a pen tester because you get... 20% doing the fun stuff, 80% writing a report afterwards. Right. Uh, those numbers may vary. I always recommend to break in uh, digital forensics and incident response. DFIR mm -hmm. is a great place. I always recommend to, to people trying to get into cybersecurity, look for an MSSP, a managed security service provider. Right. There are so many of them out there. They usually run 24-7 operations. They usually yep. have a security operations center where they have dozens of analysts all sitting together, well, together these days. Right. Um, so there's usually lots and lots of jobs available. 
Um, they're usually all entry level or mostly entry level, and the opportunity for growth is immense. Uh, mm -hmm. You'll learn so much at an MSSP, and, and you'll you'll just grow your career so quickly. My opinion, starting there. Yeah, great. That's a good call. I mean, I certainly am focused a lot recently, at least on like incident response roles and everything. So they're certainly out there. Um, I guess. I'm curious about things you think that that security professionals could try to do outside of you know work or the professional career. What are some side projects that you think would that could show up on a resume in a positive way? You know, we've talked about OWASP in the past and some other things within within the security field. But what's a couple that maybe come to mind for you? Volunteer if you can. Um, I think volunteering is just good for society, for the community. Yeah. Um, contribute to the community. You can contribute to CIS benchmarks as they develop new new benchmarks. You can just you can be a reviewer. You can check for grammar. You can get exposed to that world. Um, you can say, you know, I contributed to the CIS benchmark for Red Hat Linux version, whatever the case, or for VMware or for mm -hmm. Palo Alto. Or you don't need to be an expert per se at that technology if you're willing to put in the time and do a very deep, thorough review of whatever was authored or help contribute to it if you are a subject matter expert. But you don't need to be. I think Hack the Box is a big one that a lot of people participate in, and that's really good. CTFs that capture the flag. If yep. you can find a CTF near you, those are great. Also, just go to eventbrite.com, um, I think it is, and uh, look for cybersecurity events. There are, in a lot of larger metropolitan areas, mm -hmm. you know, tons of cybersecurity events all the time. Yeah. Um, those are great. Go there, learn from the speakers. A lot of times they're free, not always, but a lot of times um, network. Network like the devil. Um, find other like-minded individuals. Definitely. They don't have to be a senior. They don't even have to be in cybersecurity yet. But if you even find a peer group of four or five of you all trying to break into cyber, you know, just form those tight-knit communities and those tight-knit groups within the industry, and it'll help tremendously. Yeah, definitely. Those are all great call-outs. I'll certainly agree with the with the networking aspect, especially. Um, those are kind of the main chunk of, of, of my questions. I guess my final one is like, what's your message to hiring managers or, you know, HR directors that are looking to bring on a bunch of security professionals? What do you think is the single one thing that they could do to help improve their hiring practice and, you know, fill, fill out all these roles that are out in the market? Hmm. I that's challenging. There is the, the deficit, so there is a shortage on talent generally, yeah. but I would say focus on, a little bit on DEI, diversity, equity, and yeah. inclusion. Um, I'll, I'll tread carefully because I'm not an expert in that area, mm -hmm. but I think it is wise to engage professionals in that space, people who are well equipped to handle DEI, specifically as it relates to writing your job description. Definitely. So you're not using gender-coded words, racial biases, age biases, disability biases, um, which may not even be conscious to you, right? But just yeah. the use of a particular word, native English speaker, or you know, must be digital native, or ability to walk frequently, just sort of like common, common things you see on a job description might immediately deter um, people who um, you know, have disabilities, who are of a particular age, LGBTQ+, BIPOC, you need to be warm, welcoming, and inviting, not only at the job description, but the culture of the company, because mm -hmm. the workforce in large part who works within cybersecurity is usually um, you know, looking for culture as a piece of the pie in their, their job hunt. So if you are... If you're more traditional, you know, uh, you may have a difficult time attracting some of the top talent for that reason. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful call out. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, I guess, like I said, I think those are kind of the main chunk of the questions I had. I'm curious if you have any questions for me, obviously working on the talent side, you know, day to day, what, um, what insider or questions might you have for me as we maybe wrap up? Yeah. So how, how would you recommend the candidates? How do they defeat the ATS of death? How do they, how do they get through that system? What, what are the tips and tricks you could share? Yeah. I mean, the number one thing I say to people working in security or otherwise is, is do your best to network within that company, reach out to people. If you have an advocate within the business at any level, you know, that's going to put you ahead of almost every other candidate in a lot of ways. Obviously, as a recruiter, I'm, you know, looking through keywords, looking for certifications, all that kind of stuff. But I try to, myself and source try to spread our wings as wide as we can talk to as many people as we can try to curate relationships before the jobs even come out so that when you know a client has a need or whatever may have you we go oh i know exactly who could work for that and developing those relationships is important and as a candidate the more you can develop a relationship with an internal recruiter or just somebody on the security team the better off you're going to be um i think things Things certainly change as you become more experienced. Obviously, myself, I usually target more senior candidates, manager and up. Um, it's a lot more black and white, I think, at least then. Um, usually for younger candidates, um, things are a lot trickier and there's obviously a lot more competition. Um, but like you were saying, targeting managed security service providers is, is a really good way to start. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of my, my run through. Cool. Got another one for you. In, yeah. the, in the age of Zoom interviews, which we've been in that age for a while now, yeah. what, what can you recommend to candidates when they show up for a Zoom interview? I mean, what are the keys to success to, you know, to, to shine as a, a great candidate in a Zoom interview? Yeah, I mean, that's all about, you know, personality and, and trying to, you know, shine through the screen. It's been, you know, quite a while since I've actually been in an interview for myself. Um, and I'm not usually showing up to candidate interviews, but oftentimes we hear the best feedback from interviews when people ask a lot of questions. That's usually the number one thing, at least I think that that shows that you care about the role, you've done research beforehand. And usually that's how your personality shines through. And not the traditional questions like, oh, you know, where do you think the company should be in five years? Of course, that's important, but maybe go and do some research about the company, see a couple of the challenges they're doing beforehand. And then if you bring those to the table, you know, they're going to be like, oh, this guy's already doing his job beforehand. And that's a really yeah. powerful, I think, way to come off really well in a Zoom interview. Um, no, oftentimes Zoom, in person. Zoom or, Zoom or otherwise, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I was going to say, oftentimes in person, conversations can flow so much more um, and those things might come out anyway, but in, in a Zoom interview, you need to be really intentional with asking um, as many questions as you can. So yeah, that's the can number I one thing. Some salt? Can I sprinkle Please. some salt on that? So uh, we were hiring for years in my last role um, and so many candidates, when we went to, when you're in an in-person interview, you're usually sitting at a table yeah. and you usually dress well and you know you put on the interview face. But something happens when we go on to Zoom and I've, mm -hmm. I've had cast join me while they're lying in bed with a tank top and they're holding the phone like this. So I yeah. only have half their face or, uh, you know, they'll be driving their car mm -hmm. while trying to have an interview. And I've I've called off an interview because I don't yeah. feel comfortable with that. So I say, yeah. look, we're not going to do it now because I don't feel safe. I don't right. want to put your safety in jeopardy. Right. So I think my recommendation for candidates on zoom or otherwise is, you know, treat it like an in-person interview, dress, Definitely. dress the part, make sure you're in a clean, quiet, well-lit space if you can. Mm -hmm. um, and don't drive, don't drive yeah. or do anything that could put you in, in a hazardous situation. I agree. I mean, it, it, 
dressing up for an interview, all that kind of stuff, it helps with your mindset anyways and, and all that. Also, make sure your computer's charged. I remember in my interview for Source, actually, my computer died in the middle of the interview. And if my, my manager's watching this, they'll probably laugh about it. But um, make sure your computer's charged, number one, and, and then the rest will kind of figure itself out. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not sure if you've got any other questions. Of course, I appreciate you coming on. Um, like we've mentioned or sprinkled in a couple of times, I know we've mentioned a couple of resources. I'll do my best to kind of drop things in, in the comments and in the description here. Of course, myself and Jimmy, I'm sure are open to people reaching out to us with any other questions or as other people might want some insight into the industry, please do. Um, but that's kind of it for me, Jimmy, if you've got anything else. No, this has been great. Alex, I love what you're doing. Um, you know, I look forward to following everything you do. Uh, thank you for having me. You're a wonderful host. Wonderful. This was fun. And I hope we get to do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Come on anytime. I appreciate you joining. And to everybody listening, thank you for tuning in to our sixth edition of the Source Talks podcast. I will see you all next month. Take it easy. Mm -hmm.